0: So let's get to Sanchez because now Gary Sanchez has entered the equation. We found out over the last couple of days that when Gary Sanchez signed with the Mets, he had an opt out clause uh, for this Saturday where if he was not added to the major league roster by the beginning of Saturday, he could inform the team. He was going to exercise an opt out. The Mets would then have 24 hours to add him to the roster or Gary Sanchez would leave. He could be gone. He could opt out and be a free agent. Gary is Done what the Mets asked, he went to AAA, he's hit, he's caught, he's been fine. But the Mets were under the gun here. Gary Sanchez could have opted out. I, I End of the world, no. Where is he going? He didn't exactly have teams banging down the door for him earlier. So the Mets were not exactly in a position of panic, but they like Gary Sanchez. Billy Epler obviously has a history with him. So the Mets decided to add Gary Sanchez to the roster. Uh, my assumption, the assumption we all have, is that Michael Perez is gone, not Francisco Alvarez, which I feared, by the way. I I brought this up briefly on the air. I said, you know, when you look at Billy Epler and you look at Buck, would it stun anybody if they said, you know what, we're going to send Francisco down now. We're going to do a little bit more seasoning in the minor leagues. We all would have went nuts. But ask yourself this question. Would it have really stunned anybody if that happened? And the answer is no. Now, luckily, Gary's coming up. He's not taking Alvarez's job, but let's not be a naive here. He's going to take some at-bats away. Gary Sanchez is not coming up here to catch once a week. He's up here to share the job with Francisco Alvarez. And for anyone who suggests, and I've seen Met Beat writers write about it, well, he could DH. The problem with the DH is what we have always talked about. If you have two catchers on your roster and one of them is DHing, God forbid someone gets hurt, you've just lost the DH spot. Now, because Alvarez and Sanchez are both guys that you're not really going to pinch hit for. You know, they're not light hitting catchers. They're bat first catchers. The only way you really run into that issue is with an injury. If you're DHing Alvarez and you're starting Tomas Nito, It's a little bit different. You kind of force yourself to have Nito play the entire game. He can't be pinch hit for. So I do think it's a little bit different because both guys are offensive players. So you're just less likely to have to pinch hit for them and then lose the designated hitter spot. Are you fearful that Gary is now just take that bats away from Alvarez? Or are you happy because, hey, Gary Sanchez could be a spark and could be, you know, resurrected, if you will, with the Mets.
1: It's funny. The Mets fans call for, you know, bring up the young kids. And they get the call, Gary Sanchez, which is the exact opposite. So, listen, am I fearful? Yes, I kind of am. Because I don't trust. I don't don't have any trust right now with Buck and Billy. So, the fact is, yeah, I think that what the beat writers keep on saying, he's coming up to catch. He's not just coming up to be a DH. With that in mind, they're going to share the workload. They're going to force Gary Sanchez because they want to see what they have in him. Because otherwise, what the hell is the point of him being here too? They're gonna they're gonna share the the workload. And I, I I for me right now, I prefer seeing Alvarez over any any catcher that's on the staff right now currently. It, the
0: the one thing I'm I'm sort of intrigued about, and I've thought this a lot in his latter time with the New York Yankees. I was never ready to give up on him. I was never ready to say he can never find what he was in 2017 or even 2019. I mean, guy had 34 home runs in 2019. He was an all-star. And that wasn't that long ago. So, I view Sanchez maybe a little bit differently than I view um other veteran guys that take up a roster spot because I still have that slight hope that with a change of scenery, and I know he was supposed to get that in Minnesota and it never really happened. He had a terrible year for the Twins last year. And so far this year, there's really nothing to base it on, you know, the minor leagues with the Giants and the minor leagues with the Mets. But there is a small part of me that still thinks there may be something there with him. And at the end of the day, as much as we want young guys to play, if Gary Sanchez went on a torrid hot streak, we're all going to be thrilled, especially you, Pete, because deep down, you're a freaking Yankee hater. And you know... That if Gary Sanchez, who tormented his own fans for the last four years, somehow found himself with the New York Mets, that that would give you great joy. You need to be honest about that, Pete.
1: Yes, of course. That That, that is amazing. That would be fantastic. And it would, uh, I'd buy a Gary Sanchez jersey. That'd be, I, I would do all that stuff just to piss off all the Yankee fans. But I understand he's had 34 home runs what, back in 2019, but Didn't Vogelback have 30 home runs in 2019 as well? And he hasn't been close. That's my worry is that we keep on going back to like a season that happened four years ago. And let's see if we can recreate that again. That's my issue.
0: But by the way, I want to make it clear. I'm going to be specific, very specific about playing time with us. I have no issue with Gary Sanchez playing a game every series. I really don't. I remember saying that when the, the tie turned with Alvarez and Nito and Alvarez started playing the majority of the time. I think I've even said to you, look, if Alvarez is going to play two out of every three games, I'm fine with it. Because I understand that catchers get their ass kicked behind the plate. Like you want to do your best to keep a guy fresh, and it has nothing to do with age. It has to do with the fact that that these guys get their ass kicked behind the plate. There's line drives bouncing off masks. Guys are running more than ever. Uh, there are more pitches thrown in games than ever before because of the walks and the strikeouts. So I'm not crazy to say you got to play seven days a week. What I don't want to see is Sanchez being the guy playing two out of every three games. Like I, I want Alvarez to be the majority of the time catcher, but you take this weekend against Cleveland, you take the series coming up in Chicago, the series in Colorado, there's all three game series. If Alvarez starts two and Sanchez starts one, I'm good.
1: Like, are you okay with that? I'm okay with that. Yes, but there is something else that we haven't even touched on. Gary Sanchez, the likelihood of maybe him running into a couple of balls here and there, it's a possibility. I, I love that. That'd that be fantastic. But he was awful Behind the dish. Talk about a bad defensive catcher. That's Gary Sanchez. Talk about a lazy, like, you know, a lot of people thought he was lazy, lackadaisical. It's Gary Sanchez. Uh, Francisco Alvarez might not be perfect, but he seems to be in there. He seems to be a little bit more locked in. Again, the frame is good. So far, we really haven't seen too many miscues. So that's going to be a downside to him.
0: Okay, so a couple of things about that. Early in Gary's career, and I would always defend him about this, he threw out base runners at a very high clip. Like, he would throw out 38% of base runners, which is high. I mean, the league average sits in the mid-20s. I got to see what the average is this year. It's probably even lower because of the increase in stolen bases. But in general, caught stealing percentage, which, We haven't focused that much on over the last few years because stolen bases have died. Now it's gone back up. But Gary behind the plate was always actually pretty good at throwing base runners out. As far as pitch framing is concerned, what I've heard, I I can't tell you this is true, but I've heard that he's been improved in the minor leagues, first with the Giants, now in his brief time with the Mets. How improved is he? I don't know. I I would think that because Gary Sanchez is at a different part of his career, he is desperate to, to get better. This isn't the old days where you know Joe Girardi's giving him a tough time or Aaron Boone's giving him a tough time, and he's the guy who catapulted himself in 2016 to stardom. He's a guy fighting for his baseball life. So if there was ever a time for him to work his ass off, it would be now. We'll see. We're going to get to see him catch, and we'll see how good he is. But if you look at Sanchez and kind of the view of he's replacing Michael Perez, he's replacing Tomas Nito, it's a no-brainer. He is a much better, despite Perez's 4 for 4 over the weekend, Sanchez is a much better offensive option than Tomas Nito and Michael Perez. As far as Narvaez is concerned, because I know that's on the back of people's minds now, like, well, what's going to happen when he comes back? Let's see when he comes back. Let's see what Alvarez continues to do, and let's even see what Gary Sanchez does. There, There could be a world, if Gary takes off, like really takes off, there's a world, as we talked about way back when in spring training, of carrying three catchers. Like, that is a possibility. But that's for down the road. I just want to see Alvarez continue to start most of the games and Sanchez get a start every series. Now, you want to mix them in at DH, I'd be okay with it. But my, my question would be, where does that leave Vientos and Beatty? If they're going to be willing to play Brett Beatty in left field, maybe more willing than I thought, then you can find a way for all those guys to get in the lineup. And here's how. Brett Beatty plays left field. That kind of eliminates Mark Canna or technically Starling Marte. Canna or Marte, depending on how they're playing, could be the odd guy out with Beatty in the outfield, Vientos at third base, McNeil at second, and Gary Sanchez DH. So there are scenarios where everybody gets their at-bats, but we need to live in a world now where if you hit, you play. If you hit, you play. And I think most Met fans are on that planet. If Tommy Pham was hitting and Daniel Vogelback was hitting and Eduardo Escobar was hitting, I don't think we'd be screaming and yelling for young guys from Triple A. I think we're screaming
1: for them because those guys haven't been hitting. No, right, exactly. And yet you see every day, even Mauricio today, again, his numbers continue to improve and impress. And it's like... Listen, they won the game today, so with the Mets, I can't complain. But I'm tired of seeing guys that are inept and anemic knee make at the plate. And we, have to, we had too many of them.
0: I got to tell you, Vientos being here, even the Gary Sanchez addition, has cooled me, at least for now, on Mauricio. Let the kid develop. Let him play in the minor leagues. I don't think, at least for me, I'm in the same spot as I was a few days ago. Because now there's opportunity for Beatty Vientos potentially Sanchez along with Alvarez to get those at-bats where it's not the dead weight as it's been called needing to get at-bats every single day now we'll see that can change let's see what Mauricio continues to do in AAA and let's see what happens here at the major league roster but there are ways now for Beatty and Vientos as we just described to get the at-bats and really get this offense going. Because they got to get the offense going. What we've seen the last two days from the Mets is really improved starting pitching. And that's encouraging because it came from Tyler McGill giving you a hell of a performance and Kodai Senga. And Kodai Sanga is, he's a fascinating guy because we don't know how good he can be. For the negatives that are attached to him, such as his control, such as pitching every five days, It's the same reason we fell in love with him and wanted the Mets to sign him during the offseason because there's an unknown quantity to him. The unknown quantity is maybe he's even better than we think. Maybe he can be, you know, a top-line starting pitcher. I'm not saying he is. He hasn't done enough. But he's tantalizing because we don't know how good he can be. Now, the Mets have Carlos Carrasco coming back on Friday. So hopefully he's not the Carlos Carrasco from earlier this season. And he's the good cookie from 2022, and then you've got Scherzer and Verlander. He'll pitch well. A couple of things, speaking of pitching, from the minor leagues that I wanted to point out. Dylan Bundy was signed on a minor league deal, I guess it was about a month ago, and he went to AAA Syracuse. He's been awful. He has an ERA of 10.08, which is just abysmal. Dylan Bundy was ejected for sticky stuff. He's got a 10 ERA, and the sticky stuff ain't helping. The following day, the Mets at AAA had a reliever ejected for sticky stuff. So I don't know what the hell's going on in Syracuse. And obviously, pitching-wise, nothing that excites us. But the Mets may have a sticky stuff epidemic going on at AAA Syracuse. Keep an eye on that. I am starting to keep an eye on this Mike Vassell, who's at AA. He is an eighth-round pick from a couple of years ago and is one of the better pitching prospects that the Mets have. He's got a 270 RA, but here are the numbers that really impressed me. 41 strikeouts and four walks. How about that? Uh, The negative is that he's heading double A, and the Mets are not calling someone up from double A. So Vassal's probably more of a guy to keep an eye on for next season and maybe replacing David Peterson on the depth chart. But I look, I look at the minor leagues and I'm looking for pitching that can help because the Mets don't have a lot of it. They have a lot of position players that can help. Even the kids they drafted last year, you know, Chet Williams is now a top 100 prospect, Kevin Pareda, like they got all these prospects. They're all position players, which I mean, it's exciting. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I wouldn't want a loaded lineup of young homegrown Mets, but there's not a lot of pitching attached to it. I also noticed Tim LaCastro is playing every day at AAA. And here's the deal with Tim LaCastro, He is on the injured list. He's playing on a rehab assignment. That rehab assignment began on May 4th. That's two weeks ago. You can keep a guy on rehab. I think it's 30 days. So the Mets are just killing time with Tim LaCastro on AAA, basically in case someone else gets hurt, you know, then he could end up back on the major league roster. As much as I like the part of Timmy's game that he adds to the Mets, that pinch runner off the bench. It's not happening. Like the the guy he could make sense to replace is Tommy Pham because I don't know how good of a hitter. Tommy Pham really is. So how much do you need Tommy Pham's bat? Even though Buck loves it. Buck goes to church to pray to the bat of Tommy Pham. I don't know what his deal is. LeCastro at least gives you something else that you can value, which is speed, which is, Hey, let me stick this guy on first base late in the game and steal a base. But for now, the Mets are just buying time in AAA with him down there. So, do we feel good? Like, at the end of the day, despite these lineup concerns and who should play and who shouldn't play, are we now as Mets fans in a good place? I feel better. I don't know about you. I feel good.
1: Like I said, I feel good. I'm I'm just concerned. I think you joking about maybe they'll send Alvarez down on air today. Like, it... Ruffled a few feathers because a bunch of people, like I think, hit me up. Actually, was like, "Do you think that's true? Do you think Evan really knows something?" And I think there's a major concern there because you just not saying that that's really going to happen, but the fact is that you you don't know what the what their plan is. And I want listen. I want to see winning baseball, and so far the the mo for like the three weeks prior to yesterday was not that. So I, I like what's going on right now. I Listen, you're talking about the best team in baseball, Tampa Bay Rays, and they just won a series against them. That's a good thing. And I told this, I said this on the other day, I felt that before the series started, BT was like, in the next 21 games, what do you think? The Mets are going to go. And I said 14-7. and seven. I didn't know why, but I just felt like they were going to click. Something was going to happen, and yesterday was the start of it. So I feel confident that they'll find a way to really kickstart their, their season.
0: It is so funny that they face all these bad to mediocre teams and can't win a series. They play the Tampa Bay Rays. They win two out of three. But we talked about it before the series. You asked me, what do I want? I said, I want two out of three against Tampa. I want two out of three against Cleveland. I want to have a winning homestand. We'll see if they can pull that off. Uh, I don't think they're playing on Saturday, by the way. So keep that in mind. It's not going to be too catastrophic schedule-wise because the Mets have an off day Monday, but it's supposed to rain all day Saturday. So just to keep an eye on this, Carrasco pitches Friday, no harm, no foul. I think they're going to rain the game out Saturday, which sucks. It's the big Francisco Lindor growing grass on a said popple day. But then they play Sunday. They play Sunday night. So I think it'll be easy to just make up the Saturday game, Sunday afternoon, probably have a day-night doubleheader and that means we would get a Scherzer-Verlander doubleheader. How about that? We're we're scheduled to get Scherzer on Saturday, Verlander on Sunday. We we may get them both on the same day, but then the Mets have an off day Monday. So it's not, usually the doubleheader can really F you up, but because they have an off day, it shouldn't be that big of a problem. It actually benefits Kodai Senga because, again, Kodai Senga with that off day is going to be able to have another start. That's not on regular rest.